Listener Production. Just before we get rolling, there is some language in this episode. I will leave that up to you. Okay, are you recording? Superstars, welcome along to episode 160 of the Howie Games Part A, featuring multiple UFC title-winning star, Alexander Volkanovsky. Pressure on Mendez. Rip into the body. That's it. That's it. Now, if you're looking for a bit of inspiration, I reckon the Volk could be your man. He is a tough, tough man in a tough, tough caper. But as you're about to hear, he is not a man that gives up ever. So many lost and left behind, and no one seemed to care. Those who should seem like they're blind, pretending they're not there. Can't they see? They hold the key. Could make things better if they try. Oh my Jaja, tell me why won't they open up their eyes? By the way, if you're into combat sports and you haven't got a UFC fight pass, you need to get yourself sorted like today. You get exclusive live events, original programming, and access to the world's largest MMA library. Bang! All you need to do is jump on UFCFightPass.com and get rolling. Righto, let's get stuck in to life in the UFC. How to train the body and mind, how to deal with fear and pain, and how to win with Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Hmm, I didn't really do that intro justice. This bloke will. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky! So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I Come on children, try with me We want to reach Mount Zion Well, this is a true treat for the Howie Games because I am fascinated by what this man does for a living. His name is Alexander Volkanovsky. He is a multiple world champion in the UFC. And I am fascinated by what you do for a living, Alex. It is great to see you, mate. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm I'm good, mate. I'm very good. And thanks for having me. I appreciate I appreciate that you uh, appreciate what we do as well. So thanks well, for that. I do. I'm fascinated by what you do, and I have so many questions for you, mate. So settle in because I'm going to ask some ones that show my lack of understanding of your sport. But first things, mate. Congratulations on your most recent win. Well, Max Holloway was game as hell, but the champion Alexander Volkanovsky with a signature performance wow. tonight. Another fantastic victory. What now? He says to the broadcast booth. Nothing. That's a, good, that's a good question. We ain't got nothing for him. If he can do that to Max Holloway, right. like, who's next? Who is next? But I can see your hand is in a cast. You're in recovery. So you bust your thumb in the middle of the fight against Holloway. Right from the start, how do you deal with pain knowing in the fight that whenever you strike someone from this point on, it's going to cause you all sorts of drama? And do you re- like? Do you hear it crack? What happened, mate? Yeah, man, it happened in the second round. So it was uh, pretty early. We obviously do five rounds, so... It was, uh, you know, it's uh, definitely something that, you know, it's an uncomfortable sort of feeling. But I mean, uh, I'm used to just dealing th- with things. You know, obviously, I've got, I got a, I got a main goal, and that is to win. Yeah. Yeah, it was hurting. Yeah, it was uh, could have been a problem, but um, it can be uh, as big of a problem as you let it be as well. Yeah. So I was uh, in a position where, you know, mind over matter. I had to literally 
not worry about that and do what I had to do. Otherwise, if I worried too much about that or, or avoided using it or or doing things that was uh, going to give me that loss, you know, I mean, obviously that's four steps backwards for me and I, I refused that. So I was in a position where I had to just deal with it. It was uncomfortable. It hurt. Uh, so I just had to make sure I hit with uh, the knuckles. Obviously, when you're grabbing, wrestling and yeah. in the, you know, mid-combo, sometimes you're going to hit it, you're going to feel it, but poker face and keep moving forward. So the mental side of what you do, which I really want to explore with you as we get going, but your body at this point is telling you stop. That, that's what your body's natural reaction is. Stop using that part of your body because it's damaged. Therefore, the pain, I'm trying to protect you. Where do you go in your mind? I know you need to win and I know you need to try and put it out of your mind, but how do you do that so it doesn't override your whole process of what you're attempting to do, Alex? It's funny you say that about, uh, you know, your brain wanted to, you need to stop. You know, it's funny you say that. I've uh, sort of, uh, through maybe life experiences um, and uh, put myself in a position where I've, uh, you know, made adjustments, whether some things like that has happened and I've, you know, moved on. You know, I made, uh, I adapted to whatever problem it was and maybe over time, I've created this uh, this mental state where that's not what what was uh, my brain was telling me. Huh. My brain was more just, all right, we need to use it a different way. You know what I mean? It was just make them adjustments, make them adapt to whatever problem there is. As I've sort of done that many times. If I do that even in the training room, things will, you know, I've broke bones, uh, like fingers and stuff like that in uh, the training room, and you know, I had to finish the workout. I could have just stopped, but I was like, oh, I just won't. Uh, you know, lean on it or I won't use it. You know what I mean? I would make adjustments. So even in training, even in training, if that happens, you push on. Well, I have. It depends. It depends, obviously, if it's a leg injury and I can't yep. walk on it, it's a different story. <laughs> right. But I mean, uh, I remember breaking my finger like uh, this was a maybe last keep or the keep before. I broke just the end of my finger. So it wasn't too bad. Very uncomfortable. Um, couldn't put too much weight on it. So, uh, you know, I'll put weight on the elbow, on the on the palm, and I'll make sure, you know, I'll make adjustments. It's just how my brain has worked. Through life, it, experience, like I said, it's it's get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, that's right. the whole thing. You've heard that term a lot of times, but we literally do that every week getting re- prepared. So uh, we, we put ourselves, like, put it this way, this, the workouts we do are harder than the fight itself. So I will get more nervous for a training session than I would for a fight because I know I'm going to breaking point. But it's just now I know how to deal with that because I've been there so many times. So now I just deal with it a lot better. I'm going to be in pain a lot of times. I'm going to be hurting a lot of times. But I accept it and I deal with it. Tell me about the morning after the night before. So you beat Holloway for the third time. Walking out of that arena on Fight Island two years ago at UFC 251, we were all expectant that these two would engage again. It stands to reason 25 years from now they will be talking about this rivalry series. You continue your, your unbeaten streak in UFC. When you wake up the next morning and you've been there and you've got a busted thumb and you've been kicked in the leg and punched in the head and your ribs have got to work out, how do you physically feel the morning after a tough fight? And how long does it take the body to physically recover? Um, it depends uh, on the on the actual uh, fight itself. Obviously, having broken bones, you're going to be uh, – Feeling that for a bit longer than usual, but I mean, you're always going to be a bit beat up, you know. Even even when you're doing the the damage, say for, you know, even even though I'm doing the punching and kicking, and majority of it, no, you know, say I don't get hit too much, your hands still hurt, yeah, your legs still hurt. Um, you deal with it as you go. The next morning, you feel it. You definitely feel it. You wake up, you feel sore. You feel, you know, how the hell did I finish rounds <laughs> like this? Because I cannot move my hand or use my hand at all, but. 
again, like, you know, adrenaline rush is a beautiful thing. You can uh, do some crazy things with that. And mind over matter, like I said, sometimes you need to just evaporate that from, from your, your mind. It's funny that we're talking about this because even though I was doing such a great job, especially in the second round, I was doing such a great job of, you know, just adapting to this broken hand and doing what I needed to do. I brought it up to my corner after the second round. They didn't say much. The third round, again, I did what I had to do, won the round, was successful, but it's still on my mind. I bring it up again. And uh, that's when uh, my coach leans into my ear. Hey, excuse my language, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. And he, and he goes, okay, and he leans in my ear and he goes, I don't want to hear you mention that fucking hand again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I'm like, and I knew exactly what he meant, right? Like this is stuff that you know, I'm talking to you about. I understand this. This is stuff that I will regurgitate to people and may give them an understanding of what needs to be done. But at the same time, it was something that was obviously in my head because I felt the need to bring it up. And uh, he just, you know, that's enough. I don't want to hear you mention that. And I like even said to him, yeah, 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 yes, yeah, you're right, you're right. All right, yep, yeah, I'm hearing you. And that's it. Didn't mention it again. <laughs> Maybe there was something there as a as a young man listening to my parents, you know, my, my Macedonian uh, father, my, my Greek mother, maybe there was things that they, they taught me and, and it really, you know, sunk in and, you know, I really understood what they were trying to say and I used that in my everyday life and then it was just rolling effect from there. Maybe, but I mean, I do believe that uh, repetition, preparation can really put you in a good position to, to be successful in whatever you do. So do you wander through life Alex, with tremendous confidence. You must have tremendous confidence because you've overcome so many times, which we'll explore. Like it must be, I think most of us wander through life and there's things come up and we don't know how to handle them and that could cause anxiety or stress. But because you've overcome and built that resilience so many times, it must, is it a free way to live your life knowing you've overcome so many times and you've learnt the formula of how to do that? Yeah, well, this isn't something that's always been here, though. Like the, the like, especially with the confidence. Right now, I am in a very good headspace, very co- confident and comfortable with who I am and what I'm about and my style, all that type of stuff. So, and it really shines through now when I'm, you know, having conversations with people, or even when I'm doing interviews and, um, you know, pre-fight, post-fight, all that type of stuff. But it wasn't always there. You need to understand that, like a. The, the stuff that I'm talking to you about now, even though these are things that, that were maybe built in me and I've always done, yeah, like uh, I touched on a couple of those things, yep. these weren't things I was aware of. I'm aware of them now through through talking about it, talking about it to guys like yourself, talking about it to my sports psych and all that, and then getting an understanding and being like, ah, oh, I mean, it makes sense now, you know what I mean? So, Do you think it's in, do you think it's in us all? Do you think I, I, yeah, it's in us all inherently and we have to unlock it or do you think that there are some people that uh, have more of it? You know, people will say, uh, you know, people might say I was destined for greatness. It's like, oh, put it this way. If I didn't put my effort in, yep. it, you know, it wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, I think everyone's destined for greatness. I think anyone can be great. Maybe destined's not the right word. Anyone can be great, but it ain't going to be easy. You have to work for it. Uh, you know, uh, and obviously starting at a young age uh, and building these, these little uh, tools that we're talking about um, will probably give you a good head start and a good advantage, but... Uh, you know, I do believe that anyone can achieve great things, but I mean, you know, it's just sometimes it ain't going to be easy. People need to understand that. We talk about accepting uncomfortable, uh, uh, uncomfortable sort of situations and all that type of stuff. And we're talking about in any, you know, business, 
any sport, anything in life, you know what I mean? They, these are life skills that work everywhere. But, I mean, uh, I think uh, anyone that uh, can understand that and have that built in them at a young age, um, I definitely think that gives you a good head start to, 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 to be great. But, I mean, if you're thinking that things are just going to be given to you or, you know, oh, I just oh, I want to be this and think that you don't have to work for it, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to break the, the bad news to you, but that ain't going to happen. That's not, that's not how it is. It's, it is hard. It is hard work to do anything. If you want to be successful in anything in life, it, it ain't going to be easy. That, and, and mate, we're 160 episodes in this podcast. That's the inherent theme that I've learned through it, that often it's those that work the hardest that achieve the success. Your, your pathway into it. So you're a rugby league player. Now, I, I had a bit of a look at, at your rugby league work and the first thing that strikes me, and I wouldn't say this to you in person because you might clip me one, but you're only a little bugger. You're not You're not a big man. Like, what, what do you fight at now? 60... 66 kilograms. 66 kilos and you're 168 centimetres. So it's not like you're a big hulking man. So you played rugby league and then when do you decide, I, I want to have a crack at something else? I'm, I'm going to put myself through this journey that you're on. Yeah, well, I used to play front row as well. I was a prop, so I was right. uh, meant to be one of the big guys, but I was only uh, five foot uh, six if I was lucky. So um, it's, uh, yeah, it was, you know, I don't want to touch on what we were saying before, but, you know, even me having to deal with that my, my whole life, you know, being the underdog and being, uh, you know, had to prove myself because I've always been the smaller guy or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Maybe that's uh, made me sort yes. of the guy I am. But um, I just, uh, I've always loved martial arts. It was always, it's something I've always wanted to do. I was pretty good at rugby league, uh, but, you know, I didn't think I was going to make it at the, the highest level. Like uh, if you haven't made it at that age, I thought, you know, it's done. And I've always wanted to do martial arts. So, you know, one year in between uh, the seasons, I wanted to keep fit. I went to an MMA gym and right. started training and, and absolutely loved it. And um, that, that following year was my last year of rugby league and I had a couple of fights. I was successful in them. I go, I'm going to give this a crack. Um, I was confident. I believed I could do it. I'm sure a lot of people believe they could do these things, but I believe I could do it. And uh, you know, ten years later, or well, not even not even ten years later, I was uh, the featherweight champion. So it's a it's pretty crazy. You know, I started late. I started when uh, MMA when I was 22 years old. So your first professional fight, you, you had some amateur fights. Uh, I've done the best research I can here. It was your first professional fight against a chap by the name of Gerhard Voigt? That was my first professional bout. Yes. Okay. So. Your first fight, what do you get paid for your first professional fight in the MMA as a, as a mixed martial artist? If you don't mind me asking, where was it and how much of a crowd was there? Um, yeah, it's not a – yeah, you say professional, but, I mean, it's not something that you could uh, – you know, it is professional. You, you might get paid, but we're getting paid, you know, a couple hundred dollars. You know, it's not much at all. A couple hundred bucks. Uh, you might get paid in uh, tickets. I mean, right. the tickets you sell, you might get a percentage of them tickets or, or something like that, but – um, yeah, it, it's not much, you know what I mean? That, that's the thing, uh, this sport, uh, especially in the local like local scene and, you know, yep. national, like, you know, even though I was world champion, you know, you know, even though I was one of the best in Australia at the time outside of UFC, you know, it's still max I would have eventually got was a few thousand dollars, a couple of thousand dollars. So, so how do you support yourself at the start of your career? Like, what, you're obviously not a full-time professional. Are you working? Are you doing a job at this point? I was concreting, yes. I was a, I was a concreter. So right. I was still concreting at the time um, and uh, obviously chasing the dream. You know, there's a lot of sacrifices. Again, uh, <laughs> it ain't going to be easy. You're going to have to have sacrifices. I'm lucky enough to have the, have the, the wife. Uh, and we've, like, yeah, like now I've been with her since I was a uh, 
uh, young. We, she was uh, nothing but supportive the whole way through, so I was lucky enough to have that. And, um, you know, there was times where, you know, I've always wanted to, you know, my parents, you know, wanted me to get a house and that, so I had a house. And at that time, uh, I wanted to chase the dream. You know, I obviously had to move out of my house, rent that out, you know, live with my mother so I could chase the dream and, and work outside the hours that I'm training and things like that. And it's a commitment. And it's, uh, again, there's been a lot of sacrifices, you know, the, through that time, there wasn't much, you know, partying or hanging out with the friends too much. I had to do what I needed to do. But, you know, these are the, you know, you need to be disciplined uh, to be where I wanted to be. And, you know, I'm I'm thankful that I, I had a, enough of an understanding to know that if I wanted to do it properly, that's what I needed to do. So like you've been in a few years, um, 13 wins, a loss, but you're not making a great deal of money. You're working as a concreter. You obviously there's a responsibility to support your family. Does it get to a point? Does it get to a crossroads, Alex? Did you get to a crossroads where you think, right, it's all up for me, or this is too hard for me, and I'm not going to make it? Did, did you get to a point like that? There was a point in my career where, again, I was chasing the dream. Uh, I like put life on hold, like my family did. Yeah, my wife did as well. Oh, I, I made promises to myself that I'd be in the UFC before my first. Uh, Daughter uh, was born since Ariana, before Ariana was born. Um, that didn't happen. So that was a hard knock for me. Um, you know, again, you know, we, we were a lot of sacrifices for me to chase this dream. And there was a, there was a, a tough uh, time where, you know, I was trying to get in the UFC. There was local, uh, sorry, there was a UFC events coming to Australia. And I was like, you know, trying to get in there. We'll do a hashtag. Uh, Volkanovski UFC, like things like that, you know, we're yep. just campaigning for it, doing all, all the stuff you think you need to do. And it just wasn't happening. And, you know, a lot of people obviously will have the conversations with you, like when are you going to, you know, they don't know too much about the sport, especially back then. When are you going to give this, uh, you know, give this up and like, you know, get a real job and things like yes. that. Yes. It was uh, it was tough because especially when I stopped doing the concrete and I was, uh, you know, I was just trying to find regularly and and do concreting here and there and all that type of stuff just to get me by. Huh. Um, and then, yeah, I remember one one time it really hit me. It was a time where I'm a, again, I'm a disciplined dude. You could tell through, through our, our conversation yes, and what I'm all about. And I was, uh, I remember this never happened. So most people were like, oh, you didn't tell them, yeah, who cares? I rocked up to the gym and then I sat at the front. My coach even see me pull up and then I just went, man, you know, I can't do this, you know what I mean? Because I, I'd campaigned and it didn't come. I was like, I went home. I drove home. It's the first time I've ever done it, the only time I've ever done it. And uh, I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, you know, it was a point where I was like, maybe I do give this a rest. Maybe I just give it up, you know what I mean? I haven't made it now. Like, what am I going to do? Have my family wait, wait, keep waiting for me? Keep punishing my family while I chase this dream that might not happen? You start to have these moments. I'm a positive dude, but, you know what I mean? Sometimes... You know, my main focus is my family. I want to I want to feed my family. I want yes. to look after my family the best way I can. That's why I even chose this career path. And it's not working. What do I do? And I sort of uh, gave it up. But then uh, it, was, it was literally just a moment, which, again, most people think it's nothing. But for me, big deal. And I end up, uh, my, even my coach rang me. He goes, you were right. What's going on? I'm like, oh, yeah, no, nothing. No, all good. I didn't really tell him. And then I ended up... Uh, Talking to myself, had the conversation and be like, now nah, look, let's stick to this. We we can do this. We're this we're this close. We're gonna do it. Believe in yourself, you know, stay positive. The wife was supportive. And turned up the next week and then literally, so that was the lowest part of my career. I almost gave it up. Stay positive, and within a couple of weeks, 
I end up getting a, a major sponsor at a time, which is a big deal, especially when you're chasing the dream. I chucked a bit of, a bit of money for me to keep chasing the dream. And then I think it might have been a couple of weeks after that or a week after that, I end up getting the UFC contract. So, um, you know, I, I just uh, stuck to it. I put myself again. I could have uh, just gave up and I'm not worried about it, stopped training, got unfit and whatnot. I, I did it. I let, it was a, a little episode I had. The next day I was back in the gym, stayed fit, prepared for a fight that I was going to have. I wanted to stay in shape just in case the UFC uh, bring me on. I know I could take it. And these opportunities came not long after that. So it was funny how the lowest part of my career and the highest part of the career, especially in that time, was within uh, a couple of weeks. Back to Alex in a moment. Next up on the show, a man that I'm genuinely thrilled agreed to come on the podcast for a chat. His name is James Hurd. James is a legend of the Essendon Footy Club, but was also coaching during the club's darkest hour. I'll talk about James in the intro to his episode next week, but I just want to tell you all right now, I learned so much listening to James, and I hope you all find some time to have a listen to his episode next week. It was a privilege to speak to him. I'm not proud of what happened, but I am proud of the resilience that I have to actually get to where I Because there there's been a number of points where you go that way, you go that way. And what made you go the way that set you where you are now? I think family's the, the, the main one. Mm. So, you know, the, the belief in your family, the belief in, in, in that they're there for you and you're wanting to come back to that. But then also you've got to decide that you need to do it. What's, what's your life about? Like, what are, you, what are you there for? And I think it's, to me, it was, okay, this is the bottom of the pile. I'm going to, no matter what they throw, I'm just going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing. I don't even know where I'm climbing. But I'm not going to let that. But you're going up. Yeah, I'm going up. I'm not going to let that stop me. To the point that then you can get up and look around and see life is good. There's some really – but while you're going through those dark moments, you're climbing through darkness, but you, as long as you're keeping on moving, you're not, you're not going backwards. That's James Hurd next up on the show. All righty, let's get back to Alex. So I, I want to – talk to you about some of your fights as we go, but break it up with what you actually do for a job. So you mentioned earlier on there's more uh, anxiety and fear in the fact you're going to train. Mm -hmm. When when you're in heavy training, what's involved in a training day for you? What time do you get up and sort of run me through the basic operations of a day in heavy training as a world champ? So... uh... A busy day. I'll give you like one of my busy days. We do yep. a couple of them. Uh, so where do, we do some strength and conditioning. So I uh, uh, get up uh, probably about six thirty in the morning. I'll get yep. up uh, to have a little bit of breakfast and uh, you know my coffee, morning coffee, and then I, I head to Baymed Performance Center to do my physio first thing before my strength session. So my physio will be seven thirty, and my strength session will be at eight o'clock. So I do my strength uh, session which uh, with uh, Chris Jaffrey, who's a wizard with this stuff. And what's that? What's a strength session involve? Strength and conditioning. So that is uh, all the muscle fundamentals, all the like movement strength to build your strength, build uh, explosiveness, and all that type of stuff. So obviously, I do the MMA gym is going to be my fighting gym where I do a lot of martial arts and stuff. This yep. is where I do uh, my strength work. Uh, you know, work you know, where it is, you know, how you see people doing weights, weightlifting, yep. but not just that, it'll be mobility and all that type of stuff, explosiveness and, and things like that. So I'll go there and I'll do that um, at 8 o'clock and that usually goes for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. And then I head straight to the MMA gym at 9.30. So I go straight from there to MMA and I do a, an hour of um, 
MMA training. So that might be striking, say. Uh, or no, it would be grappling, actually. It would be uh, live grappling rounds. So uh, there's a couple of hours of training in the morning. I usually have to go home and, and rest. Recovery is very, very important. That's why I do my physio before training. And, yes. And uh, obviously go home, eat what I need to eat. Obviously recover as much as I can, rest so I can recover because I've got another two sessions in the afternoon, which will be, uh, you know, be whether it's a grappling, say uh, MMA-specific sort of grappling and then uh, striking. Um, yeah, so five till six will be MMA uh, training and then six till seven will be striking. So I do anywhere from three to four hours a day. And the diet to keep that fueled, I'll get to taking the weight off later, but, but are you – it's pretty evident that you're a very disciplined man. How disciplined is the diet? When you've got the right nutritionist and you've got the people that got the right information and the right knowledge, it's probably not as hard as what people think. It's probably not as hard as what people think because um, we train a lot. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you need to, even when you're losing weight, you'll be surprised with how much I can eat. You're going to be disciplined. It's going to be strict. It's going to be certain foods, but there'll be lots of it. I need a lot of carbs. I need a lot of energy. Uh, you need to eat at the right times and things like that. A lot of people worry too much about the weight and uh, they can't perform in the gym. They might get the weight down, but they can't perform because yeah. they don't have the calories, they don't have the energy. Uh, but that's not how it is. Preparation is what gets us prepared for the fight. You know, we need to perform in the gym if we want to perform in the octagon. So uh, that is uh, something that is uh, crucial for our diet. We need to make sure we are getting enough calories in because we are getting a lot out. When, when you're fighting, I want to take to your fight um, before you became world champion. December 2018, you're fighting Chad Mendes in Inglewood in California. And under the radar no more, Alexander Volkanovsky draws Chad Mendes tonight. The Aussie tries to extend his winning streak to 16 and officially make his mark with the featherweight elite. You won in the second round by TKO. Oh, huge elbow. Mendes needs to get off the fence and get to moving his feet. Mendes is in big. Less than a minute now to go in the round. What a war. Volkanovski with an incredible pace here, too. Mendes. He's putting a lot of pressure on Mendez. Ripping oh. to the body. That's, That's it. That's it. But you got knocked down a couple of times yourself. And this is the first fight that I really looked at um, in the last couple of days to, to figure out what it is and try and get an idea of what it is you do. What happens in a fight when things aren't going your way? Like I'm sure you come into it with a plan. What happens when you're down and you're hurting? It started with the right hand, and now we're going to see Mendez have comfort. Now we hurt him. Now we get to see Mendez establish some striking and really feel where he wants to be. Yeah, man, it's a... Again, you gotta, you obviously need to dig deep and you can't let it get to your head. A lot of it is going to be mental. Again, it's, it depends on, you know, obviously he did land a good one, but I was still there. I was still present. I didn't let it get to my head. You see me bounce straight back up and get yes. back in his face, straight back to, to what I needed to do. Um, obviously, if I was hurt a little bit more, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd have to be careful with uh, going straight back to my game plan and being in the firefight. Cause again, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not scared of getting hit. I'm scared of losing. So I can't give him that opportunity of uh, finishing a fight and getting that loss. So, But when you get um, hit like that, sorry, just to sidetrack you for a sec, Alex, yep. when you get hit like that, when you genuinely get punched in the head, mm-hmm. 
um, which most of us never experience. Yeah. W- what is the feeling and how long does it take to, if you're rattled, to regain yourself? Like what's the feeling initially like when you get smacked? <sighs> to be honest, man, like uh, I want to say that, it hurts, but I mean, uh, it doesn't really hurt. Like you might be wobbled, you might uh, not see straight sometimes. Um, the body shots is something where they they really do hurt. Um, that's because that takes the wind out of you and you can't breathe, and it's a very uncomfortable feeling. But uh, usually, getting getting punched in the face is uh, for me anyway. Whether I got more of a pain tolerance than some people, <laughs> I don't know. But to be honest, um, it doesn't hurt. I'm not scared of getting hit because you you don't you don't feel it too much. But I mean. The fact is, you go down, you're wobbled. You need to get your bearings back. You know, again, because one more, one more put on your chin, and that's that's game over. Right. So uh, at the at the at that at that point, you you know you're in you're in trouble. You know uh, your brain's been rattled. So again, it's not the pain; it's the the situation you're in that you need to get yourself out of. So you can like, do you, do you feel like you know? If you're watching Rocky or whatever and, like, they look a bit, you know, they make it that they're a bit fuzzy. Is it a bit fuzzy in your brain? Do things slow down yeah. or you just sort of, what, what, like, what's the sensation? Yeah, you do, man. It's, uh, you do. You sometimes, uh, the, the lights dim a bit. The lights right. will dim a little bit or you, or you, uh, you will see stars. You might even get the whole, like, stars that, that, that do happen or even a weird noise will come, a ringing noise and things like that. Um, but yeah, like again, like when you you know I want to tell you that yeah it hurts. Yeah. But I mean, it's not that it's not it's not the it's not the the pain. Like uh, again, like it hurts doing it hurts punching people and kicking people more than it would actually getting hit. Um. So for me anyway, this I'm just giving you my my yeah. experience. But I mean, it is a very uncomfortable feeling because you know you are one step closer to to losing a fight. So for me, that is, that is that is everything to me. You put me through pain again, break my hand, whatever. Just don't lose a fight. That's my main my main objective is to win. And uh, you know, so the stress and the anxiety is the fact of him landing again on me can can I can lose the the fight because of that. Yeah, I might step closer to losing. Not all oh, that hurt, or if he hits me again, it's going to hurt even more. It's not got nothing to do with that with me. And, and you, you you can punch me, and it can hurt as much as I want. If I'm not in danger, whatever. So you've only lost once mm-hmm. in your professional career, early on in your career, before you, you joined the UFC. When you get beat, how do you deal with that? And that's early in your career. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to build your comms. I think what is your, your, maybe your second or third fight you got beat? Yeah, fourth, fourth fight, yes. It's, man, it's a, obviously, you know, it's, it's been a while yes. since I've lost. So, I'll, you know, how I'll deal with it. Obviously, it's always going to hurt, but, I mean, you know, I mean, cliche, you know what I mean? You learn so much from your losses. It's true. Uh, and it, it should be a cliche because that's what you should be doing. Yeah. But one thing that I want to say, you shouldn't have to learn from just your losses. Like I learned a lot from my, my from my wins as well. There are some things that, that didn't go my, my way in their fights as well. But, you know, when you when you lose and that it does, it does hurt, especially when you're chasing the dream. Remember, like this is four steps back for me. Yeah. I, I started this career late and uh, – I'm not planning on losing. I want to win, 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 put me in a good position so I get in the UFC and, you know, make as much money while I can. So when you lose, that's four steps back to that that UFC contract or whatever it is. So it hurts. Did it bring doubt to yourself? It does bring doubt. But, I mean, right. that was a, that was in a heavier division for me, right? Yes. So, again, it depends on the person how you take it. For me, I made good decisions after that. I was That was when I was – my only loss was at welterweight. I fought a featherweight. That's two divisions lower now. Got you. So it made me realise, all right, you know, why am I 
fighting these bigger guys. Want to be a little more disciplined, a little more strict on my diet and, and fight guys my own size. Let's not be lazy. <laughs> so there's one thing that, you know, I made an adjustment there. He was able to c- control me a bit of that fight. I need to work more jiu-jitsu and things like that. Again, you need to, when you say you learn so much from your losses, you do, but do something about it. You need mm-hmm. to do something about it. You know, I can sit there and be like, oh, I did it because of this, this, this. But if I'm not disciplined enough to do something about it, did I really learn anything there? You know, did I really uh, evolve from that loss? Did I really, uh, you know, put myself in a better position? Did I take advantage of that loss? Because you, you, you can, you know, and I literally took advantage of that loss and you see me work my way down to the divisions and you see me never lose again. To the point where in December 2019, you go to Vegas. For the undisputed UFC featherweight championship of the world. Introducing first, the challenger, Alexander the Great Volganovsky. Let's get it. And you take on a gentleman by the name of Max Holloway. Now, people that follow UFC know this man's a legend, multiple champion, billed as the greatest featherweight of all time. You go into that fight, you, you've been a rugby league player, you've been laying concrete, you've had a situation where you don't want to go to the gym. Look at the size of the tree trunk legs on Volkanovski. He's so big. I mean, he got back, his back. It speaks back to when he was 240 pounds, believe it or not, when he played rugby. There's pictures of him online, he's just a tank. When they hold up your hand as the new, when you hear the word new, What's the emotion? For the winner, by unanimous decision, and new undisputed UFC featherweight champion of the world, Alexander the Great Volganovsky. Relief. 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 Relief is a, is is the word I use for a lot of uh, a lot of my fights, especially even that, because like, a lot of preparation goes in there, a lot of sacrifices we're talking about, and there's a, there's a pressure. Even though I keep myself composed, there's a pressure keeping yourself composed. To you know, you got a job to do, but you need to be composed. You need to stay positive in camp when things are going wrong. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a pressure that's always built around you, whatever it is, knowing that you need to win. Um, for my family, again, you know what I mean? So, again, winning that belt isn't like, oh, cool, i got a nice piece, uh, piece of gold UFC championship belt, which is cool, don't get me wrong, but the, the meaning of it and what, what that can give me and my family is what it's all about. And the relief where knowing that you're holding this belt, is it's definitely what I wanted because I know what it can do for my family. That is the main thing for me, and it's just a relief to be like, oh, you know, I can let go a little bit. I can let my emotions fly a little bit because I've kept them built in so much. Um, you know, again, I'm stressed as like if you lose, you know, that's four steps back, you know what I mean? That's a that's a, a, a bump down in a, your contract, you know what I mean? So you're getting a certain amount of money. You lose, you lose a lot of money, you know yes. what I mean? And uh, again, I do this for my family. You know, this is the career path I chose. And ever since I decided to do that, that was my main focus. So 
holding that belt and just knowing that, man, this is going to put me in a good uh, position moving forward is absolutely everything to me. You know what I mean? So every time I get my hand raised and just knowing how much of a better position I'm, me and my family are in because of that, every time I get a ruby on that belt, you know, so much more than that belt. You know, you might hear people say that, but I mean, it's so true. That thing sits in my closet. You know what I mean? Do you, you ever put it on at breakfast and parade around the house? I bring it. I bring it out, and I bring it. Uh, do you know what I get? Uh, what I get out of it? Yeah. When my family, when my daughters, or my friends, my team, yes. supporters, when they look at it, and you know what I mean? Because again, there's a lot. They make a lot of sacrifices too. Not only they believed in me, everyone was doubting me the whole time. They believed in me. You know what I mean? And all this type of stuff. Yep. They supported me through through the highs and lows and all that type of stuff. And then uh, to see their appreciation for that belt, that means so much to me. I get so much more out of the the way they can look at that belt than I look at it myself. It's a, it's hard to explain. I don't know if I'm explaining that you right, are. but it's a, it is something special about seeing even my, my kids. My kids hold it. They're like, wow, because they're starting to understand this now. They're starting to understand what I'm doing and how important this belt is. They understand that, you know what I mean? Not just that, obviously, my family, my team, the, the amount of – effort my team puts in, you know, and then for them to say they held me in preparation uh, to get that belt and seeing them like, man, you know, how good is this? I got, you know, I got punched in the face for a good reason, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the appreciation that uh, my loved ones get from looking at that belt means so much more to me than the belt itself. That is the end of Alex Volkanovsky Part A. Do not, whatever you do, do not be missing Part B. Listener.